Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from Dwayne Hoover's Exit 11 Motor Village here in 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phil Iskov. And back with us is David I- David Iserson, who I believe is a huge fan of the novel. <laughs> the novel, yeah. The novel. Yes, of the, the novel. The and, novel. Uh, how do you feel about this movie, David? I mean, I feel like it was. Uh, I, I I I I feel like it was uh, much like uh, Dwayne Hoover felt in his brain. Do you think so, though? You were no, the old, you are oh, the. No, only I, I was, try, I was trying to say. I was trying to say something. Pith- I was trying to say something like pithy, but no. I mean, I feel. I don't know. It, it felt. It felt like. Uh, <laughs> felt like it was. I was watching the mo- a movie like outside a train as it was passing by. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I do it, think that like it's a fever dream of a movie, and yet it's not a fever dream of a book. Like I, I, it's. Do you know what I mean? Read, like, I, you, you've been reading it, right, Phil? I have been reading it, and as and I. I have read it in the past. Like I read it in in I want to say like either late uh, late high school or in university, but. I don't feel like the book is particularly manic or the movie feels very manic to me. Well, yeah. I mean, if we, yeah, just to get like right into it. I mean, I think the movie, 
I mean, I, I think it misunderstands the book, and yeah. I, you know, it's it. I mean, who is to, who is to say who is correct in the way a book is read? But I do think sure. that I, I I think the takeaway. Uh, I mean, I think the book is yeah. So you know, to 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 yeah. pop us let's back, set, let's set pop us back to 1999. I would say, I would say at that time, this was mm-hmm. like this was my favorite book, and so, and I I don't think that. I think the only thing that sort of changed is that I don't, I, I, I have my relationship with books is I rarely reread books because there are just too many books in the world that I haven't sure. read. So like, I, I, so I, I think my, my ranking, you know, you can, you can have favorite movies because you can revisit movies in two hours, but like rereading a book to just see how it looks in, you know, in your adult head is different. So I hadn't, I hadn't read this book since, since high school, but I, um, Loved it then. I love it now. I had a very different experience reading sure. it now. Like, I mean, it is. Oh, you you reread it for this podcast too. I reread it for the podcast. Yeah. It. it what a pro. You know, uh, I I think I think it. <laughs> yeah. So the book is. Um, I I think my takeaway from it at seventeen when I read it the first time was was like the mind blowing experience of like holy shit you can do that in a book, yeah. and my experience now is just you know is is really kind of identifying with the kind of i don't know the the sort of middle-aged like <laughs> meditation on being middle-aged sure. and, and and but i think i think the and, book and, and there's this recognition that comes with being middle-aged and being uh american yeah that where, where you do start to realize uh this is a deeply fucked up place and we're not going to change it which is really upsetting yeah, I mean it's it's, yeah. it's 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 a it's it's not a you know it's I would say it's I mean it I would say absolutely it counts as a novel but I don't think it is tradition it's not a story yeah in its in in the sense that it's I mean it's very much an essay about America about um like capitalism about like middle America and then just about the idea of writing and why we tell stories. Yeah. And and the movie is about the plot, which I think is like, is secondary at best. Yeah. Secondary at best. And the movie is, I mean, I guess it would, you would say it was fairly faithful until the end of just like hitting the plot points of it, but it cuts out what I think is the, what I guess is the main character of the book, which is Vonnegut, which is, which is the author just talking and, you know, and him moving the chess pieces around of the characters and him telling you he's moving the chess pieces around of the characters and having this sort of meta approach to it. And the movie kind of dispenses with that and dispensed with that. I don't know that it's, there's, there's really just kind of no, story there i mean it, the the book kind of opens with explaining what's going to happen i mean in yeah, uh, yeah. probably around page 10 they're like this is how the book is going to end and yeah. so which he does the, all which he does all the time in his books. right yeah. yeah and so there's there's no tension that this is about a meeting of these two guys about about um <laughs> about the bruce willis character meeting the albert Finney character and um uh, about about uh, Dwayne Hoover meeting Kilgore Trout. So there's nothing, there's nothing, there's no tension there except the movie is building that tension. We're all built building that tension, and then ultimately, I mean, the book, 
I wouldn't call it a cop out in the book because I think it it recognizes fully what it was is, but it's like nothing nothing really especially monumental happens when it happens. But the movie is trying to build its whole idea on the back of this meeting, which is I don't know. So I'm yeah. going to do my best to walk us back and set the stage a little bit. We're doing Breakfast of Champions. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, now, which of course they know because they clicked. On I mean, they, yeah, they clicked the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clicked on the podcast. We're doing Breakfast of Champions, 1999 movie based on, I believe, like a 1973 book. Uh, 70, like 72, yeah. 1972 book yeah. Uh, by Kurt Vonnegut. Um, a classic uh, novel I'd never read before. I started reading for this podcast and didn't finish. Um, it's really tried short. My, tried my best. <laughs> it's really short, and there's a lot of pictures. We're not all we're we're not all novel novelists, David. Come on, reading prose. Some is of us have four kids and no bandwidth. Yeah, some of okay. us have. I read it. I read it like every night I could, and then I left Same. it. I left it, and then I bought another one. So now I own two. And I, I want to finish it because I just zoned out for the second half of this movie. Because I mean, the so ending, bad. the ending is great of the book. The it's ending of the not, book is much different than the ending. So of the what's movie. interesting to me is uh, I have never seen. I've read enough. I've read like two hundred pages. So I've, I've never. I've read enough to make the statement I'm about to make. <laughs> I've never seen a book and a movie. Uh, distill just how different these two mediums are yep. in that having a movie that is as plotless as this book would be very difficult not impossible yeah. but would be very difficult and takes a real um a real you know masterful auteur to pull off uh this as you said david they clearly are trying to you know take what is a threadbare plot and turn it into a movie i had the same sense you had uh, if I were making this a movie, I would have a voice of God 100% throughout this entire film. I think yeah. that this movie is begging for a omniscient narrator uh, with a point of view, just like the book was. Um, and, you know, yeah. from there, I don't know how else you can, you, you, what else you would really do, but it, the book is about thoughts and ideas presented in a way that I've never seen before. And I think you could potentially do that in a movie. It's just not this movie. So the the main takeaway for me is, gosh, I wish, and I said this to Phil yesterday, I wish <clears throat> some, I wish one of our great filmmakers made or took a shot at any one of Vonnegut's novels. Because it's never happened. And I'd like to see it happen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and I think there's a reason they have, I mean, you know, Mother Night is a solid, like, yeah, a, a solid movie. It's fine. Um, also and starring Nick Nolte. <laughs> also starring Nick Nolte, and um, yeah, uh, you know, directed by by Keith Gordon, who is who plays Rodney Dangerfield's son in Back to School. Yes, who, one um, of our one who, of our great auteurs. Were, but but a movie that Kurt Vonnegut has a cameo in, um, like, so, like this one, like this one, like yeah. this one, like this one. I mean, he also has a cameo in Mother Night. Um, yeah. And I I haven't rewatched the movie Slaughterhouse Five. I think it is either appreciated, and I think I, I, you could argue that it's um, made by a great director. It is, and I can't believe it exists. It was like I read that novel in high school, like everyone else, and then found out there was a movie, and it felt how could. First of all, a movie made in the seventies. How could you make? How could you do what they do in Slaughterhouse Five in a film in the seventies? Yeah. I don't yeah. think. I didn't think they had this, that kind of scope, frankly. 
And I, but all right, sorry, David. Keep I, going. No, 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 for sure. I mean, you know, and there's, there's, there, I think that, I think that I've heard like there was been talk of like a Charlie Kaufman version of, yeah. of uh, Slaughterhouse Five and like a Dan Harmon version of Timequake and both for TV. Yeah, but yeah. I, I don't know. I Noah mean, Holly also took a crack at Cat's, Cat's Cradle for Cat's Cradle. Really seemed, yeah. really seemed like it was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then Robert Altman, I mean, this script was written for mm. Robert Altman and I don't know that it would have, I mean, I think there's tonal issues with this movie yeah. that maybe a different, just a different director could have taken the same script and could have done something different with it because it is, um, because most of the characters play it in a very cartoony way and it's shot yes. very Man, much like insane. a music video and yeah. So maybe a different, but, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I, yeah. Like I do think like, Altman feels, doing, yeah, sorry, go ahead. So it, it feels like Brazil, right? It feels like sure. it wants to be Brazil. Sure. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I do think that, to me, one of the biggest missed opportunities was, okay, you set this in, or this book was written in 72. It's kind of set now-ish, or 99-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have gone Brazil with it and set it in something that really feels like a different universe. Mm-hmm. Part of our world, right? But something that feels a little, you know, everything feels a little askew. And I think that that, you know, I'm surprised Gilliam never really took a shot with a Vonnegut novel, considering Vonnegut lets his, you know, crazy novels be made into movies, because that seems like he did do Fear and Loathing for what that's worth, which was kind yeah, of which also is his, which another a J- quote unquote unfilmable book. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I do think it's interesting. You bring up a couple of things, Kenny, that I think that the book has that the movie doesn't. And one of them is sort of the, the science fiction influence, the, the books, Kilgore's books within the book, right? His stories within this novel that sort of don't really, they're in this movie, but not really in this movie. And I think that they are so uh, thematically important it's to so what's weird, going on. Dude. It's so, you're totally right, yeah. because they're in this movie. Yeah. I think this, I think this book, uh, this movie hemmed way too close to the novel. Because they're in the movie mm-hmm. in the exact same way they're in the novel. Yeah. Either Kilgore telling someone about them or someone yeah. relating his own books back to him in yeah. dialogue. But for whatever reason, when you're reading it, it sinks in it a different totally. way. They're, prof- yeah. they're profound. Yeah. And you're allowed to kind of let it linger. Yeah. I don't know how you do that, but it wasn't this. Well, it's a great – yeah, because Kilgore is in a ton of Vonnegut books, and he's – a great is this his first appearance sorry to cut you off David. no uh, his first appearance is in god bless you mr rosewater okay. and ellie rosewater is also in also this, in, that, in, yeah, this sure. in, in this book and just confusingly in this movie <laughs> like at, at like a point like a that he says and now i like like literally like like leaves as if he has to make a costume change as if it's a play he's like and now i have to go do business i'd love to talk to you more um i mean it, the, the actor i yeah. don't remember his name but it's the actor yeah. who, who's can something yeah who's in groundhog day and the bed and breakfast like he plays two roles in this yeah uh in this in this movie which to me almost reads not as a director choice but as a like we like 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 an, <laughs> like like the guy who didn't show up to set one day and then they're and they're, you're like oh he's in town he's 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 come to set um but but yeah um uh in the device of Kilgore Trout is um 
you know, I think it came out of like, like one of Vonnegut's agents or publishers or something, just talking about how science fiction stories sometimes are better explained than they are novels. So it's just like, it's, 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 so here is a really interesting device to just kind of do a half thought out idea and, and shove it into the book. And then, and the, the sort of meta idea of that is that the same is true of the plot of breakfast of champions that then is dragged out into a movie because the amount of time it's dealt with in the book is so tiny which is just you know guy losing his mind meets a science fiction writer at an arts festival believes his books are true goes crazy i mean even retelling it it's not that interesting but it but it makes a little bit more sense when you're just when you're doing it when you're telling it in a Kilgore Trout e way, sure. Yeah, I mean the the only science fiction and forgive me, I don't know Vonnegut nearly as well as you do, David. But Sirens of Titan feels like the only overt science fiction that Vonnegut did. Am I crazy when I say that? Like I feel as though they're infused in his books in sort of these like I guess Cat's Cradle is sort of science. I- I think they all have a science yeah, fiction I guess element. I, guess I mean, Cat's Cradle. Yeah. I mean, player player piano is right. is science fiction, and then his short stories are right, right, right. you know are pretty science fiction. But I yeah, Slaughterhouse Five is a time travel novel. I mean, they're also all like, true. You know. He does love the the notions that exist within the science fiction genre more so than like actual like what I love about the way he depicts science fiction is that it's very matter of fact. Like it's very just sort of. I mean, this is his style of writing in general, but very sort of like terse, short sentences. Everything is just sort of very kind of just laid out for you in a really matter of fact way. The best thing about the best thing about Vonnegut, like hard, like hard stop, in my opinion, is or full stop, in my opinion, is the way he depicts mundane things happening on earth as if it's science fiction it yeah. is so awesome it, it it allows you to look at our our lives at a bit of a remove and it, it is a way it is a way to kind of understand what's happening in our culture and society and country that feels like yeah it is kind of important that we start from the beginning it is sure. kind of important we take ourselves out of this and look at how fucking fucked up this is all not just yeah. weird not just like fucked Oh, and yep. like living in this fucked up society, like, yes, of course, we're all going to go a little crazy. It's also, I mean, the book's written in 72. And Kenny, you texted me when you first started reading it. And you were just like, this book is terrifyingly prescient in terms of like the world that we live in right now. Um, it is, it is. I mean, Big I guess time. that's the, 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 the sad part about this yeah. book and this more of the book, obviously, than the movie is how little we've learned. But I do just want to uh, say one quick thing. Thing that I think is interesting that you were David talking about how you know ultimately one of the themes of this book is about sort of misinterpretation of your art right that idea of like how someone can weaponize your work in a way that is completely the opposite of, of your of your intentions the irony of course is that that's exactly what happens with this movie <laughs> which is that mm-hmm. he misinterprets the book entirely and I would argue tonally as well just sort of I, I watched this, Kenny, I had a similar feeling to you too. You come, you become numb to this film about halfway through it. And it, it, it kind of like you become dead to it at a certain point. Cause it's so aggressive that you're just like, this is not at all what the book 
feels like just like but anyway what were you gonna say no i mean yeah i mean the scenes are super long which is just it's just torture to you know it's it's in you know and those scenes all existed in exist in the book but they're you know but there are tangents to break it up so it's like you're not just sitting there with an endless scene of um of of hoover and LeSabre like having a conversation and it's just it's just it's just long yeah. and so and long and, takes too like not even like it's not even a particularly cutty movie like I think about that scene with Omar Epps and Nick Nolte where it's just like basically just a two shot of that yeah, yeah. and it's just like this it felt interminable yeah I mean I, I think I think it's what you're saying about the misinter the, the interpretation and the misinterpretation of art I mean it I mean, weirdly it is that is sort of where the movie lands mm-hmm. where they where the ending really veer where um you know to where where trout um sees um hoover taken you know mm-hmm. the 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 feelings of his book and then get really upset and and, and trout is like is that is that what you thought i'm saying is that yeah. what you, am i responsible for this which is not really which is not really what the what the book is. I mean, the book yeah. is the book has a much, um, you know, as as a I, I, I has has as more cynical idea about some things, but it also is is it, it's not a um, it, it's not about trout like getting you know having this sort of come to Jesus moment where he is right. where he he worries about what he's done. I mean, it's it it. it you know, to, to jump to the ending, it's, you know, they both end with um, Kilgore Trout asking his creator to make him young. And in the book that is supposed to be seen as like a, like human beings are so sad because mm-hmm. as, as much as um, Trout has, you know, got, you know, like, like sees the awfulness of the world, he just wants to keep going and yeah. in the movie it's like they just make him young yeah <laughs> they're like oh well, <laughs> give well, a happy your, ending your, your wish is granted dear sir well, that, the, you know <laughs> to to speak of the ending as well not to get too logistical or what have you but like the mirrors thing in the book is this idea that like a mirror is conceivably a doorway to another dimension or another universe or what have you I don't really feel like that's particularly laid into this movie. I mean, forgive me if I didn't notice it, but it it's, feels it's like mentioned. The, is it mentioned? Okay, so forgive me, but the, it just the, feels the notion like of the, the leak is, is mentioned. I, I oh, believe right, right, someone right. In, in, in a car, but yeah, it is kind of. A, I don't. I, I mean, we, we're talking a lot about the book versus the movie, which obviously we should because we've all read parts of the book. David has read the whole thing, um, and. Uh, it, but I, I did try at least to approach this as as its a, own animal, yeah. At, which I've always been able to do with movies that I've read. I've always mm-hmm. been able to like separate them. But for for some reason, what I kept coming back to here is how lost a viewer would be if they hadn't read this book. How- fully, fully lost. It it is so weird because it is it is it is like a like the movie is a. Yeah, the movie is like watching the twelfth Marvel movie, and then having to like right. just like sort of you know it, with without any of the exposition. It it it's like there's there's like a eureka moment that comes from like uh, 
from Omar Apps's character, like seeing the idea of fantasy land, which is, yeah. which is, or fairyland, fairy which land. Is, fairyland, which is just, just like spoke of more in detail in the book. And, and it's, th- there are all of these just like nods to things that you would only understand if you read it. And if you read it, it doesn't actually make it that much more interesting. It's right. not, it's, it's not like, um, it's not like an Easter egg that it, it's so completely devoid of, of, of how now we see adaptations, which is like, there is a version of it that is appreciated by like the layman. And there's a version that is appreciated by the super fan, but this just has like nods to people who've read the book recently, because <laughs> you'd only really understand it if, you read it, if you if you read it recently. Like, I don't think I would remember if I had just watched the movie and I hadn't read it recently, I don't think I would get it, but, um, but it gives you no pleasure uh, of, of, putting those pieces together it just kind of allows you to sort of follow it so it's an interesting kind of uh discussion about this particular book and this particular adaptation i wonder if it was a misconception from the beginning about how ubiquitous this novel was because i think that for instance part of why greta gerwig's little women works so well is because a lot of people have read it. I dare or say most people. Yeah, yeah. And or, but I, but yes, and there's already been a pretty straight adaptation. Mm-hmm. So the 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 rhythms and characters and and relationships in that book are already ingrained in your mind that you can you are ready for a new interpretation mm-hmm. of that um, of that material. And I wonder if people, if if the filmmakers, if the studio etc screenwriter um thought that the i that this novel was that widely read and you can kind of you didn't have to have to set it up that well and you also didn't have to view it as its own thing like adam david right. you've, you've you've adapted things that have gotten made or no or i'm sure you've adapted things just i've general. got i've adapted many things that have not gotten made it's fucking hard yeah and you have to make a big decision like like is this is like is the thing in front of you the book is that the first draft or am i about to write the first draft Mm -hmm. and i think that's the big move you make in the beginning Mm -hmm. and i think in general you have to write the first draft completely now, there are some situations where you don't. Yeah. There are some situations where the first draft is what's in front of you, and you can more or less adapt that, or you can kind of subvert that or play with that. But for the most part, like, you have to break it down, not even to – you have to level, raise the whole fucking home and start with some of these pieces or with all of these pieces. You have to construct it from the beginning because it's a new fucking animal for a new audience and a new medium. Yeah, I mean, I think that I mean adaptations are incredibly difficult, and I think that to your point, Kenny, you have to make a decision. You've done it a few times too, Phil. I didn't mean to exclude you. No, no, you weren't. No, no, no. Um, You you have to make a decision early on, which is, am I going to try to convey the essence of this book, or am I going to try to be quote unquote slavish to the material? Um, But this brings me to sort of a bigger question that I have for both of you guys, which is, I, I do feel as though some books are deemed unfilmable, right? Like mm-hmm. just books that are impossible to adapt. Um, and, and I do think that Vonnegut and several other authors tend to be put in that box because 
their voice is so specific and it's very hard to actually Kenny, you solved it ultimately, which is VO of, of just literally That's hearing how, at least how I words. would start. Sure. Sure. Know? Sure. Yeah. But, but my point is that like a movie that comes to mind and I don't know if you're a Tom Robbins fan, uh, David, but like they tried to do even cowgirls get the blues uh, in the nineties. Um, and he's an author who is just incredibly esoteric, incredibly his own thing and is not particularly dialogue oriented. So, so much of it is just in the way he's describing the world, which is very hard to adapt. And I do feel like, quote unquote, quirky authors, and I hate that term, but I'm just going to kind of use it. It can be so easily misinterpreted. This to me feels like this movie has turned up the quirky to like fucking 100. And I don't particularly think that, uh, I don't even really think of Vonnegut as a quirky Sometimes, author, but you know, you know what I'm getting at. Well, yeah, but you know, I think the, I think the other hard thing to do that they yeah. couldn't, couldn't do in this novel some things you just have to give up. You just have to, you just have to accept yeah. that some things will not translate the way you want them to. I think about, I'm also, you know, I'm reading, um, I'm reading uh, Fleischman is in trouble. Right? You do have time to read that. Barely. <laughs> I, it's taken me forever. Uh, so I'm Good reading book. Fleischman, I'm reading Fleischman is in trouble, which is coming out as an FX miniseries um, soon. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, so I have a bit of that in my head as well. And Fleischman is in trouble, I think, is a really well-written, very interesting book, but it is paragraph to paragraph to paragraph, you are in different locations, right? Very often, is she going into tangents, you know, page-long, four-page-long tangents um, that matter matter to what the character's doing in the moment, but if you follow this novel chapter by chapter and tried to do, tried to be slavish to it, I think it would be a disaster. And I hope they just accept that some things you can't do the way it was done in the novel or not at all. Well, it's interesting because with Fleischman is in trouble, it is being adapted by the author, which is a whole other thing. That's right? true. Where you're That's just true. like, you but, get into this. But situation. with the writer's room, I mean, they're, they're right. yes, proper, yes, yes. you know, yeah. yeah, with, you know. But that to me is like, because that can also be tricky, right? Where sometimes they're too close to the material and it's, and it's too hard to adapt and they don't want to let go of stuff. So it's, I mean, all of this is just to say that, you know, every adaptation is its own animal. Every book is its own thing. And I think that this, this particular adaptation, what I find maybe strangest about it is what it's slavish to and what it's not. Like right. the end, as you alluded to earlier, David, the end is a very powerful statement. It's a thesis statement of the, of the book. It bookends essentially the book. And yet the movie does away with that entirely. It's very odd. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think, to go back to just how to adapt yeah, things, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I think I've had the luxury of, like, often, often I'm not adapting great things, which is really, <laughs> or great books. I, I'm I love, adapting. I love not adapting great stuff. That's the best. I, I think, I think, I think adapting, adapting things that have, like, a really strong idea, or either the book mm-hmm. is great, but those things don't translate and you can just have to dispense with it and keep mm-hmm. the idea or you know i've i've um it, it's you know where you, you just kind your of, own book by but sorry to cut you off but i, I was just curious as to um did i adapt my own book i mean technically no i okay. i wrote a script for it okay. and then adapted that into a book okay. so I, okay. I went the opposite way the but okay. but um but yeah but i i think i think with that i mean i and and you know not to 
plug my own book, but it, it's do um, it, do it. No, no, but I, I, I wrote a book that I think if you were to read it, I don't think you would like, I, I feel like I learned a lot about writing prose from reading a lot of Vonnegut when I was sort of developing as a writer. And so I think I, it had a very, uh, the approach to it, I don't know if you, re- you would read it, you would see it the same way, but I had this sort of direct address where the main character was sort of talking to an audience and explaining the things that happen in the world you know, as if they, they simply like don't know how a high school works or, or right. these sort of very basic ideas. And I, and I think that that is, and I think that um, brings, I, I think if I was to adapt it to Trader, you know, at least I had a character to do it that, that would, you know, it's like sure. a direct, a direct address sort of thing or whatever. But, um, but I, 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 I think that if I, I think this book, as we sort of said, I think it was not, it doesn't exist sort of in the canon enough in the way that it just like, you would have to adapt it faithfully because people would get mad, but it also is, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's just also like not enough to it that it doesn't scream for an adaptation. I mean, I think, I think that, um, if you were to like sum up what the logline of this is, I, I, I could I could do that better in what the book is, but I can't. If I just got that script like if, back when I was like a development assistant, if I just read that script, like there were mm-hmm. there are like there are dialogue scenes, there are scenes in it that are just truly like ter- terrible in script mm-hmm. form in in the script to this movie, and so um, you'd really. If if like gun to one's head, they had to adapt this. Like you know, they had to make it. And and it's possible that like by getting, I don't know, by getting Bruce Willis attached to this in 1999, maybe there there was such a train. Like I I don't know the story of how it came together. I don't know how they got Bruce Willis, but I mean, it's possible that just he was a fan of the book as yeah. many people his age would be. Mm-hmm. And so you know, without kind of without taking the step further back about how to do it, his, his willingness to do it kind of put this thing on rails. So um, I think the only like sort of way to do it is, is, and kind of keep what's fun about it is, um, is, is kind of like put a framing device like that. This is a documentary for aliens and <laughs> that it does, and that yes, it does yes, have yes. this sort of like direct address to it. But um, even then it's, it's, even then there is apart from the script, there is this sort of tone issue. And I think we, we touched on it about like how the actors deli- like no one is playing, no one except maybe Albert Finney is playing because, and his character is very broad, but like no one is playing in the real world. No one exists in the real world. And there are things that this yeah. movie contends with that are, I mean, there are things that American beauty contends with. Like this is like, Oh, I, it is, I yeah. Yeah, I mean thematically thematically yeah, they were very can, similar too. Yeah, I mean and and so if you shot it if you shot this like American Beauty, if you had at least some you know, if the performances were grounded in the way that the American Beauty performances are, then I mean, you know, I think you could have I think you could have switched the act. I mean, I think Bruce Willis could have been an American Beauty as well. Like I think 
you know, yeah. not not with this performance, but I think that is it, it's they're so similar. Yeah. I'd say Dwayne Huber is conceptually way more of a Kevin Spacey type character than a Bruce Willis type character. You know, I I I don't think I'm disagreeing with you. I think we're about to say a, a similar thing, but it might come off as as disagreement. But I think you understand what I'm saying. Um, I feel almost that these problems are that this movie is too straight. Um, in that, in the novel, for instance, the problem of Harry LeSabre is that he cross-dresses at home and is concerned about getting found out. But in the novel, that's dealt with as almost clinically, right? Like, this sure. is not, it, it's not dealt with emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. It's dealt with very clinically. In the novel, I mean, the movie, it is, it is insane <laughs> it, it's, it's so wrapped up in like the in like his own personal pathos and it's wrapped up in his insecurity and vulnerability and all these things that like give it too much weight yeah. it's like it, it's it, it, like it just it feels like it's so in, inconsequential what the problem is in uh in the novel partially because it's essentially you know a a as you said, documentary for aliens, which I, I love that idea. This is a snapshot of what is happening on this planet at this moment. Right. And I feel like the whole thing plays like very, the movie intimately, which is so wrong to me. It's the wrong, it's like 100% the wrong take to be so ground level with this, this material. When really it's to me, the, the novel is like, so much of the novel that spoke to me is like these problems go back 500 years. Mm-hmm. This country is founded on some really, you know, fucked up shit. And if you, if you look at what, you know, if you look at what has happened in the last 500 years, this is almost an inevitability. Um, whereas that's all excised. And now we're just supposed to relate to the, you know, the common problems the somewhat common problems of these somewhat eccentric people. And it is, it is just alienating and boring and makes the whole thing look very unremarkable. And I think that's really what it comes down to. to Well, it's, it's also just, um, yes, yes to everything you're both saying, but, but I would also just say as well that, um, it makes for a very unlikable cast of characters as well. You're, you're sort of, bombarded with all of their uh over the topness it all just feels like cartoon characters just bouncing off of one another it's like there's there's really no one to hold on to and it, it's it's really hard to it, it's kind of an exhausting experience because you really just have no idea what you're supposed to really be i don't want to say rooting for but i mean i'm yes bruce willis is your protagonist but at the same time i'm just really not sure Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What his arc is, what he's really, what, what exactly it's trying to, to say about Dwayne's character, but... Let me just give a little bit of synopsis for people that, that have not read this book or seen this movie. Uh, based... Yeah, you, you, are lo- you are lost in this podcast at this point. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you've listened to 40-some-odd minutes of us talking about this, um, you obviously know, but that being said... We just said, assume the film... that this movie is ubiquitous, and we don't need to give you... Yeah, just like the movie. The, the uh, canon, yeah. the canon. How, but before you get into it, how hard was it to find a DVD of this? I mean, so I, Kenny I, and I both had to buy it on eBay. We got the last two copies. The last two copies. Yeah. 30 bucks each was it in america was it like our region okay it was a used dvd uh mine was widescreen kenny's was was some weirdly not mine was mine was mine was a weird stretch um mine was a weird smudge Smudge. (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't quite figure out exactly what's going on because it had the bars that the letterbox bars up on top uh it did but it was still smushed it was like why i mean when when you say it like it's like watching through a train window it was actually like watching through a window i think i think it might have been the same yeah the the same version I, i i got there was literally one copy in the entire LA public library system. I'm amazed there was one. I was amazed there was one too. I, so my copy was fine uh, for what it's worth. Uh, It was proper aspect ratio. It looked fine. Um, But the synopsis, this film based on the acclaimed novel by Kurt Vonnegut, the film is a portrait of a fictional town in the Midwest that is home to a group of idiosyncratic and slightly neurotic characters. Dwayne Hoover is a wealthy car dealership owner that's on the brink of suicide and is losing touch with reality. Breakfast of Champions chronicles the meeting between Dwayne Hoover and an unstable Pontiac dealer, an unstable Pontiac dealer and Kilgore Trout, an overly creative science fiction writer. Breakfast of Champions opened on September 17th, 1999 against Blue Streak for Love of the Game, The Sixth Sense and Stigmata. Uh, it would go on to make $178,000. Same opening, same opening weekend as Sixth no. Sense? Sixth Sense was oh, okay. a couple weeks earlier, uh, but okay. it was just the same. They were all kind of going up against each right, other. Right. But, it would go on to make $170,000 on a $12 million budget. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it didn't feel cheap. It certainly felt, <laughs> no. like, they, they certainly felt like they spent money. Um, I, but that like, is I don't a mean, shockingly low amount. Like, I mean, that is, I mean, no, today, no, no. that, that, that is, feels like yeah. it played for a while. No, it's, it's, it's both the budget. <laughs> yeah, the budget feels so surprisingly high for what this movie should. But I mean, yeah, and then obviously, I, I, I don't. As somebody who was a fan of the book, I mean, I think I had to have been at least aware of its the movie's existence. existence. I don't recall. I mean, I, I mean, I was also like, as as I'm sure we all were, like a mm. devout Entertainment Weekly reader. So sure, I'm sure, sure. I, I saw whatever I, I would guess, like an F or a D minus review, and so I I, I didn't yeah. rush out. I, they, um, I remember I, yeah, ahead, I remember seeing a little featurette because in addition to reading every Entertainment Weekly, I watched uh, Access Hollywood every day. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing a little something on Access Hollywood about this film, 
and you know loving bruce willis and all that stuff because i loved him i loved him before all this i've always sure. been a bruce willis fan. um so loving bruce willis i thought that was you know intriguing i was i'm always kind of intrigued when when action guys go outside of their you know supposed lane and then this movie never happened it's yep. like when we did 90, when we were going to do 99, I've always wanted to do this film. I was one of the yep. ones that have, I've been talking were, about yeah. for five years because it is such a curio to me, you mm-hmm. know, and now I've seen it and, you know, we move on with our lots. But I, I, I do want to say um, you, you mentioned the reviews. Uh, it's got 25% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 32 from audiences. Sight and Sound said, structurally, the film is a mess. On screen, the novel's digressive anecdotal narrative seems directionless and muddled. The Village Voice said, another middle-aged male crisis opus. It begins on a note of total migraine-induced hysteria, which continues unabated throughout. Entertainment Weekly simply called it unwatchable. And the New York Times said, the movie looks and feels like a frantic live-action psychedelic cartoon. Um, I, I, I have a very vivid memory of a still of a press still from this in entertainment weekly of bruce willis next to the car dealership yeah, I with like that crazy. and i just I, I remember thinking like it was an arresting image um and i had read the book at that point i imagine so i certainly was like intrigued but then it disappears like it really just feels as though it got no fanfare no one gave a shit about it and it just it doesn't exist i mean we barely were able to fucking find it yeah i mean the the cast is pretty impressive. I mean, all mm-hmm. all quite notable yes. notable yes. people that we've all heard of. Um, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of the reviews I looked at, sort of, I, I saw a lot of like references to the director and his body of work. And yes. I, Alan Rudolph. I'm deeply unfamiliar with him other than knowing that he was a, a, um, a protege of Altman. And so that, that this script was written for Altman, but like, I don't, I don't know his stuff, but I, I I think, and, and the sense from the reviews that this is, this feels like style, like stylistically outside his style, but I, I don't, I don't know, but um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I don't know if it was, the connection to the book, the his his reputation or whatever, but it did, yeah. I mean, a ninety as a nineteen ninety nine cast, it's a pretty good cast. Yeah, I so I you mentioned Altman, so I want to give just a little bit of context for what his production was supposedly supposed to look like. After the success of Nashville, Kervonica's novel was bought by producer Dino De Laurentiis for Altman. Altman's cast for the film introduced Peter Falk as Hoover, Alice Cooper as his son Bunny, Sterling Hayden as Kilgore Trout, and Ruth Gordon as Elliot Rosewater. Because he believed, as Rosewater was to be portrayed as an older man, Altman thought it didn't matter that Gordon was a woman, and he believed gender differences were not as strong in the elderly, whatever that means. Right, a, 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 like a progressive Everyone casting idea <laughs> undercut by the things he said. Um, <laughs> that is exactly. <laughs> and, and everybody is... knows adult adult people don't have genitals so and and in 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 vonnegut's letters he also there's also a letter that he wrote to nicholson where he oh interesting where, where vonnegut wanted to lobby for i don't know if that's the altman version but i do think i mean was... here's what i will say robert altman's career is fascinating in its own right and when he does take these wacko swings like you know popeye or um why am i drawing a blank on the on the the one with the flying uh 
Um, I, I did the, the Waldo. Great Waldo. Oh, uh, Sol- Great Waldo. No, no I'm thinking of, I'm confusing. I'm confusing these two Hold movies, on. but it's, no. it's, it's uh, well, Bruce and McLeod. That's it. Bruce exactly. Oh, yeah. um, Bruce when he takes those big swings, I, I kind of respect it. It's interesting. And I imagine this would have fallen into that camp. At the same time, I do think the groundedness and the kind of terrestrialness of Altman might have benefited this picture. Like, I do yeah. think that that Alan Rudolph just lets it fucking spin off the planet. And it just, it's, you know, it's impossible to, to, to latch onto. It's, you know, look, there, there are some, I mean, one of the first things I was going to say, we've, you mm-hmm. know, we've gone where we've gone, was I, I do like talking about this idea of these classic novels that go so hideously awry mm-hmm. in adaptation and I'm looking at a list of, you know, allegedly unfilmable movies that have that that gave rise sure. to great adaptations. Okay. And the thing they kind of uniformly have in common is that they were adapted by brilliant filmmakers. Like <laughs> you you have like adaptation by Spike Jones. You have sure. Cloud Atlas by Tickford and the Wachowskis. You have Life of Pi, Ang Lee. You have Alita and, or, and Clockwork Orange by Kubrick. You know, Naked Lunge, Cronenberg. Like, these are just, you know, master, master, masters. And like Confidential, you, famously. Hanson. I mean, yeah. even this year with Dune, with uh, sure, with Villeneuve. Sure. I mean, yeah. you you had these these masters who, who, who put it, Inherit Vice, who put it all out there. And sometimes you also have these situations where people who are decidedly not masters take their chance on unfilmable novels. One that I, you know, that, that always is in my head is like for fucking 40 years, people were trying to do American Pastoral and like Ewan McGregor did it and nobody cared. It's like, it's the other, it's worth noting because I've just been, these are I've, heavy lifts. These no, are for heavy sure. lifts and they should be given, it should be given only to people you know can lift that weight. I also I'm, I've been rewatching apropos of really nothing but the English patient I just happen to be rewatching it which is also a book also, that was notoriously yes. very very difficult it's very poetic it's and 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 I have to hand it to Miguel's adaptation he figured out a way to take a book that is very hard to adapt and made it into you know a very accessible film um and you know and then he does it he he tried to do it again with Cold Mountain a few years later um you know which you know to varying degrees of success but the, the point here I think you're making and you're absolutely right Kenny which is like you gotta have the bona fides to carry this off and I just think that this book in this in this man's hands just didn't work my mind keeps going to because I, you know, my 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 origin story with this is like I had a, a gift <laughs> certificate to Walden Books, and um, I had I had like several years before I like I'd seen a girl I had a crush on like reading this book, and I was so I was like ah oh like cool people read this book, and so I I had That's my gift amazing. certificate, and I I and I was like this is where I'm gonna get like books that I should read, and so I bought I bought this and and um and catcher in the ride at the same time sure and so it makes me just think about i mean i mean catcher in the ride a book that most certainly has a story but um you know because of the prickliness of salinger and his estate like it it also is a movie that like or a book that has like a long shadow of not being adapted to the point that i at this point like if and when it happens, I can't possibly imagine it will be done well because it's just it's too much. I wouldn't. Yeah, just, you know, I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it's, is this yeah. something we 
Phil, weren't we just, we, we, haven't we watched a movie recently where a character was reading Catcher in the Rye? I mean, definitely. I just can't remember what it was. Definitely. <laughs> it just feels you're like. You're watching that well, Jared Leto movie where he plays Mark Givich happen. <laughs> yeah, right. I, but I, but I, I first of all, I, I think it's interesting that you bought this and Catcher in the Rye together because I kind of have the association as well of like, these are books that you need to read as a, as a teenage boy on some yeah. level, you know what I mean? Like it, it's kind of mind expanding and Catcher in the Rye. I mean, there's arguments to be made for whether or not like Wes Anderson has already kind of sort of done Salinger in a way. So there's kind of like, he's done the glass you know, family. I don't know yeah, that he's done Catcher yeah. in the Rye, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about the cast of this for a quick second. You know, obviously Bruce Willis is in the news uh, for unfortunate reasons. Um, but I actually think he's, I don't think he's bad in this. Like, I don't think he's totally wrong. Um, and I do, Kenny and I, you know, talk about this all the time, but like, we love it when people take a big swing. And I love that, that this, that he tried to do this. Um, he's got Breakfast of Champions, The Sixth Sense and Story of Us in 1999, a real, real trifecta of films. Yeah. Um, very interesting array. I think, of films. yeah. I mean, without Six Sense, like it might have just like killed his career just <laughs> yes. to have that, have yeah. that, have that year. You know. Yes. Um, no, I think, I think he's. Listen, he's trying. Like you can tell he's trying. Yeah. You can tell he's, and and you know, and it's possible that because he is a forceful movie star at this point, it's also possible that he. Um, you know, his, his, I, I don't know if it's like, if the tone was, was how conscious the director, you know, was pushing this sort of cartoony tone, or right. that's what Bruce decided to do. And then the movie sort of fell about around it, because it's mm-hmm. notable how, you know, Albert Finney's storyline happens. It's, oh, it's another movie for a long time. So his, his, he's, yeah he's doing a much different kind of performance, but everyone um, Bruce Willis interacts with is kind of uh, mirroring uh, that performance. I mean, I would imagine whether or not it was Bruce's choice or the director's choice. If you're in a scene playing off of this, you kind of have no choice, but to be playing at that energy level. Right. I mean, what are you, what are you going to do? Just like, you know what I mean? Like there's just, there's nothing to, you, you have to match it. Otherwise you're going to get yes. blown off the screen by it. And I think that that's a choice. I mean, I'm just looking at his, at his filmography and just thinking that like, he literally goes from Armageddon to this movie. Like the idea that he goes from a Michael Bay fucking asteroid, you know, action movie to this, you have to wonder too, if like he's going so whole hog and so big because it's just so drastically dissimilar to what he's, been playing up until that point and it it really was a like because indie movies i mean i I guess this is explicitly a studio movie but it had an indie movie cred or vibe to it if it was good like this was very much in that like one for them one for me yes yes. school of you know because this was this was the era where bruce was doing you know, Pulp Fiction and, yep, yep. you know, and giant and, movies. I mean, he's do, it's, it's, doing anti movies and giant well, movies. It's yeah. like he is, 12 doing, Monkeys, doing, Fifth Element. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He was, he was very much uh, available for everybody and everything at this yeah. moment. Yeah. I mean, even the three years we mentioned, we, the three movies we 
discussed for this year, three very different movies, and they're all uh, atypical Bruce Willis movies. They if are. You think yeah. It. Yep. So, you know, he, like, I don't love him in this. He's not the guy I would have cast. I don't love him, but I think he's... I, I, I love him in so much, and I sure. think he's, you know, he is he's truly one of my guys, and I think he's a, a smart guy and a savvy guy, or, you know, before whatever happened in terms of doing six movies a year happened he was yeah. making, you know, kind of interesting decisions over and over and over again. Um, this is clearly, you know, uh, this was a misstep. And someone at Disney or someone somewhere said, bury all the copies, and they did successfully, except yeah. for the three that we got our hands on. <laughs> I, I do feel this is without question the hardest movie to get your hands on of the year, right? Um, well, we've had to have, we've had to get digital downloads of some movies like we've had to we've had to illegally find uh find copies yeah but those at least those those at least existed which made you think that there if if it was a piratable movie then there was a mark a pirate pirate market for it there was not for this well because i i texted you both when it became clear that this movie wasn't streaming anywhere i was like i'm gonna ask my buddy who's been able to find these movies uh online for a for a file and he, he texts me back he's like there's nothing there there's is nothing. no yeah. record of this no one has a yeah. file no one cares um so that's why we had to spend 30 dollars on a on a dvd but i'll <laughs> just say i'll say this i do think albert finney is a good gilgore trout mm-hmm. um he feels right he feels kind of what i envisioned um what did you guys think of, of albert finney in it um yeah i mean i think i think he's you know, there's a lot of different versions of it. I mean, there's also like a version that feels like, you know, in the book, he feels like, uh, like Nick Nolte now. Um, yeah, and, yeah. you know, Finney is, is I, I really like him as an actor and he's doing his Finney, th- like he's, he's not doing a different performance than he's no. doing in Aaron Brockovich or whatever. Like he's, mm-hmm. he, he plays this guy. And I think, he's I think a there's a ver- yeah, I think there's a version of Trout because Trout is also inconsistent from book to book. That's like a big Vonnegut thing that there's no, um, there's not a Kurt Vonnegut cinematic universe. Like there's, there's every, every, the character is constantly changing. Um, But he's, you know, there's, there's a version of him who's also a little bit more restrained, not as like, and, and there is a lot in the book about how he's like holding back, you know, he's on his journey across the country from saying the things that he wants to say, but Finney is kind of taking a different, it's just, Finney is very captivating when he's on screen here. And sure. so for me, he is my favorite part of this movie. He's my favorite performance of the movie because he's, doing something interesting i agree yeah, with yeah. you and i agree with you in every sense of that like there's the in line in particular where uh at some point kilgore is asked you know what's the meaning of life or what's the point of life or what it's all for and in the book he responds um you know to be the eyes and the ears for the creator now in the movie he responds to be the eyes and ears of the creator which felt like <laughs> It just, it felt like not the Kilgore I thought. The Kilgore right. I thought, you know, wasn't even convinced uh, of the, that notion as he said it. Slash put a lot of fucking thought into it, and this is where he, he landed. The Kilgore in the movie uh, knew that in his bones very clearly, and anybody who, sure. who even asked the question was deserving of his contempt. Yeah. And that is yeah. not that is not the character I thought that uh, 
that, that I was reading about. I thought I was reading about someone who was introspective and was doing his best to make sense of what was happening in the world, not someone who was 100% confident about where he's landed on things in terms of what's happening here. Like you said, um, he was my favorite part of the movie. He was making choices. They were big choices. I find him very watchable in general, Albert Finney. And I didn't hate it. Like, I, I love a point of view, but it does go to like this whole notion of the tone of this movie is abrasive in a way that I don't think the novel is at all. The novel is yeah. syrupy. Like, there is something right. about it that's just like it lulls you into this into this very calming miserable yeah. world yeah i i do think though you know you you bring up a good point part of it is like in casting albert finney you know what you're going to get right and it doesn't seem drastically dissimilar to kilgore's character everyone else in this cast feels completely disassociated or at least your association with these actors you're just like Wait, why is Nick Nolte acting this way? Why is I mean Lucas Haas who Lucas Haas is is pretty pretty terrible in it. Like it <laughs> it's it, terrible. But but it's 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 a confusing thing that like he's I don't know. There's there's he's he's wearing weird costume. Like yeah. he's he's trying to he is a the performance is how he is styled and um there's a real um there's a look of this that's also intrinsically 1999 that I think yes. it has like has a very like David LaChapelle in its lookbook thing <laughs> that is not in, that is not in the book at all, but it does feel like that's where Lucas Haas is like weird styling and like pompadour wigs and right thing. like that he is both he's a lounge singer but he's terrible but no one comments on him being terrible. Um, he's you know, a little the, out of his depth. I, I yeah, 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 yeah. He he's not really given anything to do to the point that he cast somebody, cast somebody to like uh, to play his manager. Um, it's yeah, confounding. It's also, I mean, like Barbara Hershey, who is given very little to do, very very uh, little to do because she is dead in the book, and it's unclear if she's dead in the movie. Like that's one of the things that is like, if you didn't read the book, it's it's confusing because she's. Yeah. He dies before the action of the of the book. So um, you, but so it's very unclear whether she is um, a ghost. But then in the end, it becomes very clear that she's real. Real. I just, I mean, I, I really, I can't stress this enough. How the ending of this movie being dissimilar to the ending of this book is so flummoxing to me. You've made this whole movie under this misguided notion that everyone knows this book like the back of their hand. And then you decide to deviate from its thesis statement at the end of the film. Um, you know, in the book, he ends up in a mental institution, right? And, and am I, I just, I want to make sure that I think, I think, I think, right. I think he, he briefly does. And I think he eventually gets out of it because he's so rich and powerful, but is then sued to the right. point that he ends up on Skid Row. Right. Um, right. But this is kind of, you don't like, I just, there's a part of me that's like, there's this oddly forced happy ending that's tacked onto this thing. This movie that, that obviously is, is ping-ponging all over the place and then just tries to kind of lull you into this false sense of security and safety at the end of it just feels unearned. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't, so. you, yeah. Much like a movie that, yeah, it's it's not, you don't, 
you're not going into a movie that is about um, like the that people's public phases and private phases are you know are different and and that like everyone has like these everyone has dark thoughts they don't reveal and you know all 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 these things that this movie is telling you from the very beginning there's nothing about it that feels like it should result in a happy ending i mean it 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 has to end it has to end bittersweet that is that is like that's the movie that has been promised to us so it's 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 it's, uh, yeah it's a movie, all a movie where like everyone a family hugs is not the movie that it seems like it is but that is how this movie ends because it, it does feel as though the book and the movie are both about identity crisis and about not really understanding necessarily who you are but that's part of being human like i don't i i think that ultimately i don't think the book is trying i mean certainly vonnegut's never interested in rounding off his stories or like giving you a pat ending and i feel like it's it's disingenuous and kind of unfair to your audience to spend you know the better part of two hours basically saying like you know you're you're never gonna figure it out it's all fucking for naught it's all chaos and then in the last five minutes be like just kidding it's totally fine you're gonna it's I, that just I find that that might be the the thing that pisses me off the most about this movie yeah uh, but I yeah I, I you know listen I I, I think that. Um, it's it's weird. I was watching the movie thinking, do I wish this movie didn't exist? Like, do I wish that this film... Because your wish has it. been granted. <laughs> <laughs> Trout, Trout wishes to be young and you wish the movie doesn't exist. Yeah. Both of whom, yeah. both of you got your wish. At some point you went through I a leak and you came true. out on the other side and it's not here. <laughs> I, I wish, true. I wish genuinely that somebody... Yeah brilliant would take on one vonnegut novel yeah. which one a do you have a well, this have one a would be a good one i mean all any of them would be interesting right like cat's cradle would be interesting slaughterhouse five would be interesting. any of them would be interesting because i mean any one that i've read is interesting i think that they're all kind of equally unfilmable and uh i think it would, would be fun but um i mean people have been trying i mean we've talked about obviously television adaptations i've had friends that have taken generals at various companies because all of his books have been sort of plucked up by a bunch yeah. of different pods and stuff like that and, and and they just they all feel like everyone's trying to push that that boulder up a hill um i you know i agree with you kenny i think that he's a fascinating he's one, one of the best authors ever so like someone's gonna get it right i, I think yeah i think doing this movie and i think there's other ones that are similar but but I, I think it becomes a, you essentially would have to embrace that it is a little bit of a biopic and a, right. about, you know, that, 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 that somebody is Vonnegut in it. And then yeah. you are kind of telling, you know, Time Quake, his last novel, which I haven't read since, since it came out, which I think is 99 yep. um, or it's around there about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is half of that book is a very science fiction a concept and half of the book is an apology for why the book didn't work and a reworking of it like it is even more than this one it is him truly stepping away from the book writing about the fact that this is his last book and so yeah i mean that is a device that he uses and so you know and none of the other adaptations really um um have thought about that so if 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 there was a reason you know to to adapt it and maybe there isn't maybe it's just you know it, it just 
shouldn't exist. I mean, I think it's, did you guys watch the documentary, the the one that came out? Uh, no, I heard it was good though. It yeah, it, it's, yeah. What, it's- What is it? The documentary about the, there's a documentary oh, about Vonnegut fun. that's 40 years in the making um, uh, by uh, Robert Whitey, who- um, We just uh, watched the Whitey joint. Yeah, who also made a documentary about Woody Allen, and uh, <laughs> but um, but Ugh. this is this is this is about yeah, who you know he befriended Woody Allen too, but like is you know Robert Whitey seems to have a um, be Friends somebody who, who befriends important men, but he yeah. befriended Vonnegut forty years ago to make this documentary and and continued to try to finish it, and so it's it's uh, it's 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 about both of them. it's it's uh it's does the Vonnegut thing where it's as much about Whitey as it is about Vonnegut. I'm curious to, to check it out. I, I think that Vonnegut is Vonnegut, by the way, was pretty open about his disdain for this film, called it painful to watch. Um I I I think that he appears in this film very briefly as a as a commercial director uh for a couple seconds. Um it, you know, it 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 does feel as though uh cinema and television have not been kind to him in terms of the adaptations it would be it would be he is one of obviously the greatest authors and it feels as though one of these books and mother night's a good movie it's a fine movie but like it does feel like to kenny's point it would be great if one of these just really fucking connects and we can really sort of do justice to you know one of the best authors um do you give it a shot pta should give it a shot it seems like it's something he can handle yeah, or a Cohen brothers. I mean, I got a Cohen I, brother, or yeah, they're just the solo solo brothers now. Did but, you see that Ethan's doing a movie? Yeah, yeah. makes me sad. I thought, I thought he quit. Are they, like, is it? I guess we're just children of divorce now. We're just gonna watch these guys make films individually. It's just sad. Honestly. All right, let's let's. Yeah, do you want to rate this film, Kenny? You go first. Straight. I, you know, honestly, guys, I was gonna give it a fifty before this. A very uh, a very pointed That's, fifty. Wow. In that, uh, I taking in everything to account how difficult it is to adapt this the fact that they you know that that it existed in any form um and, and I, you know i also had the voice of ryan marker in my head a little bit uh our previous guest who claimed he likes this movie quite a bit of course, of course. and i was trying to like it uh but i but i and i and honest i was really ready to ride ride that 50 line i'm gonna go down uh i'm gonna go, <laughs> yeah, down, I'm gonna so. go down i'm gonna go down to like a 39 like i there are so many worse movies than this that we've done, like with with no ideas and no plans. And I guess that's it's true. not it's that's not true. the worst movie we've right. done, and it's right. it's still a Vonnegut novel, and there's still stuff to chew on there. And you know, I, again, if I had never seen or never read the book, which I never have the full thing, but if I had never read any part of the book, and I just came to this, there would be new ideas presented to me that I think I would find somewhat compelling. So I'm gonna give it a 39. David, what about you? You had seen this prior to so I, I'd right? seen it. I'd seen it. My memory of it was pretty bad. Like I, my memory of it was turning it off. I mean, I, I mean, my memory of it. I what are we were we rating it zero from to 99? Like right. it was you know like in like a 12 range, like a really bad you know. Right. And I, real I think, turkey. <laughs> I, I think it's better than i remembered it which is you know and it still wasn't good but it was you know there was you know like it was there were moments there was like i mean it was in focus you know like like there was (laughs) mostly yeah like there was was, 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the credit opening credits was really strong. Uh, we used sure. all the cartoons from the book. I mean, I think it. I I think the the biggest sin it has is it's boring, and this should not even even a failure with this source material shouldn't be this boring. Sure. So I I I think a twenty four. I think it, to mention the cartoons, I thought it was hilarious that Alan Randolph on his own card gave himself the asshole. Yeah, um, cartoon. have to, have to. That, yeah, that was very, that was exciting to me. And <laughs> I also like David that you wore Breakfast of Champion colors because yeah. the, oh, yes. yeah, yeah, the yeah, ones yeah. I, the book, the two books I bought at least had the you know the Mets and Knicks colors going on. Oh, that's awesome! Right now, uh, I um So I had not seen this film prior to this. Um, I came into this podcast at a twenty. Um, I, I found this a, a very exhausting experience. I, I, I just. As I mentioned earlier, you just kind of grow numb to it at a certain point, and that's just you never want to be there as a as a viewer. Um, but this conversation has made me go up a little bit. I feel like I'm at like a 35 now. Like I, I think that it's, I don't think it's a good movie. I certainly, um, you know, if anyone wants my DVD copy, please tweet DM me. You can fucking have it. I don't need it on my shelf, but I do feel Ouch. like. Well, I, I don't need it on my shelf, but I, but I'll say you've never said that on this podcast before. It's true. I haven't. Uh, And I do have various DVDs that I've had to purchase for this podcast, but I just think that ultimately um, I I found it a pretty, uh, it's an unfortunate adaptation. I think we all agree that obviously it's not ideal. It's not particularly even effective an adaptation, but to your point, Kenny, you got, you got to hand it to them. They stepped it to the plate. They tried. You know, and 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 I guess you gotta you gotta commend someone for trying to adapt a, a incredibly difficult. This thing. really wasn't the this really wasn't the train wreck I was led to believe. Really? No. <laughs> okay. Interesting. All right. No, but I, don't no, I, it, I don't. I don't think it was a train. I, I think yeah. I think it was kind of a yeah a a, a, a badly a badly executed failure. But it did yeah. That. But it 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 wasn't yeah. I mean, it wasn't like Tommy Wiseau's you know uh sure the room yeah sure i I get yeah because i guess what i'm what i'm getting at i think david you're on my wavelength is if this had been available and people had seen it Mm -hmm. this in and of itself would not have been the kind of thing that would have hurt bruce willis's career i think this would have just been a shrug right a uh you know a a somewhat noble failure and i i say that not because of the filmmaking style which i think is you know somewhat ignoble but the um (laughs) the attempt Yep. This is a this is a big fucking piece to chew off or big fucking yep. you know bite. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. hard. Good for you for taking the shot. 39. <laughs> 39. Um, David, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this with us. We really of course. No, no. I mean it was a pleasure. It was it was a pleasure, and it was also a it was a great excuse to reread this book, which like I, I really genuinely like this is <laughs> why i you know this was the like the moment where i was like oh i want to be a writer like was reading this book and awesome. reading the ending so get get to the ending but uh but uh <laughs> I will but, now, but no 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 i'm not i'm not sh- i'm not shaming you i mean truly just like the m- moment in the book where kervonica enters the story is meaningful to me and it and it and it, it like to an adolescent it it's you know knowing that you can like break the rules writing is was yeah. was was really exciting i mean maybe that's part of the movie's problem too because it broke no rules but like you know <laughs> but but, but yeah no yeah. but this is this was 
always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. And uh, we can't wait to have you back in the future. Truly. Of course. I'm, I'm, right. I'm here. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.